0: Hi there. You're listening to Happy Hostess Podcast with Christy Lalonde. I'll be sharing episodes each week to help you entertain and welcome guests into your home without all the stress. There will be guest interviews with party planning and hospitality experts that share their secrets to becoming a confident hostess. So get comfortable as we find the joy in celebrating life's big and small moments. Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Happy Hostess Podcast. You are in for a treat today because I have Lee Bogle of the Southern Sideboard here as my guest. I first met Lee almost a year ago at Lydia Menzies Soiree in Birmingham last August. She is truly one of the most sincere, kind individuals that I have ever met, and I can't wait for you to get to know her and learn all of her secrets for creating delicious Southern foods and her catering secrets. Lee, I am so happy to chat with you again. Thank you for being here. Thank you for inviting me. I'm excited to be here. Well, why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself and your background?
1: Okay, well, again, my name is Lee Vogel, and I'm the owner of Southern Sideboard, which is based out of Hickory, North Carolina. And I grew up in a family where my mother was always entertaining. We always had things going on, whether it was her or her friends, and... So I guess it just sort of seeped into my nature, and I have done many things through my professional career, but catering and hostessing and event planning has always been sort of a passion of mine, and for the past 20 years, I have been a fundraiser in a political and nonprofit world, and with the pandemic a couple years ago, my job was phased out, and so I thought oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And I had a lot of friends in the area who were so kind. I'd started doing Southern Sideboard as pop-up shops when I was doing my son's christening luncheon. I just couldn't find some of the foods that I grew up with. And I was really discouraged. I wanted cheese straws. I wanted biscuits. I wanted caramel cake. I wanted all these things that my parents and my mother and her friends would always provide at the luncheons that we had. And, you know, now we have Pinterest, but back then it was just my mom and her friends and their junior league cookbooks and they would always bicker over who made the best chicken salad. But whenever there was a function or a luncheon, they'd all kind of descend upon everyone's house with their junior league cookbooks and silver polish and their china and crystal and just sort of put it all together and make it look just, I mean, it just came together and it didn't look like hard work and it was just fun. And so they gifted me that when we had Harrison's Christine luncheon. And so I set out to sort of learn how to make those things. I'd go buy cheese straws. At the time, we had like a Stein that sold them for like $20. And I thought, right, it's Chinese and paprika or, you know, cayenne, what are we talking about? So I just started learning how to make the recipes and everyone went crazy for them. And so during Christmas and Easter, I would sell them So two and a half years ago when the pandemic hit, I started Southern Sideboard by just making meals for families. And today I have my own shop. I have a staff and we still make meals, but we have grown into a full service catering company and we do grab and go meals so you can get a salad or something during the day. And then we also have freezer meals so people can come and pick up a freezer meal to eat on the days that they don't want to cook or if somebody's sick, they can take it to them. So It's been a huge blessing. I'm so excited that this has turned out. Well, I need you to open up a second location here in
0: Lexington because I always see what you have for the day or the week. And I'm thinking, oh, I just wish we had that here. Something so easy to pick up.
1: (laughs) Maybe one day that would be a dream. Now, what inspired your name? So Southern Sideboard was sort of trying to remember how it came about. I know the sideboard came about just because that was just where when my mother had functions or whatever, we did anything. It was always like, go clean off the sideboard, go put it on the sideboard. So that was just what I was so used to having all the food presented on during our functions and then also our dining table. And so I just somehow wanted to, to... include that in my company name. And then, I mean, I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. My family's from Louisville, Kentucky. I live in Hickory, North Carolina. so it's just, yeah, I, I was like, well, let's just throw Southern in there too. And then if you look at my logo there, I actually found it online and bought the rights to it, but it worked perfectly with the Southern sideboard name. And it's basically a deer head. And so my father was an avid outdoorsman. He passed away about 12 years ago, but he was always out hunting or fishing. And then my mom was the entertainer. And so it was just a way to sort of incorporate both of my parents' passion and what they instilled in me as I was growing up. That is so neat. I didn't know any of that was all linked to your family.
0: That's so fun. Sort of a nod to both my mom and my dad. Yes. And the name is so telling. It really does encompass what you do and your brand so well. Thank you. So it sounds like your family did entertain a lot when you were growing up. What type of parties or get togethers did they have the most often?
1: Really just dinner parties. I think that generation and you know, my grandparents entertained differently than we do now. But I grew up in a wonderful neighborhood and it was one where you know my mom's friends and or my parents' friends, I should say, pretty much were an extension of our family. there were two specifically whose parents had passed away. So we would always spend the holidays together. So it could have been anything from, you know, Easter to Thanksgiving to Christmas meals or just them having dinner parties. And so they would always come over and have a few cocktails and appetizers out on the porch. And then they would go into the dining room and have dinner. And then they would end up somewhere else playing cards or talking or playing and we had a finished basement, so all the kids would be down there playing and having fun too. And we had a neighborhood pool that had swim meets. So sometimes it could just be a backyard barbecue afterwards, or you know, it's just. And it wasn't always at our house. We just kind of flopped around to different people. When my mom would host a lot of her junior league and garden club ladies at the house, so sometimes there were ladies luncheons and tea parties. It, it was anything from you know formal affairs to you know, someone was having that one of her friends. There was a wedding or a baby shower. I mean, it just ran the gamut. Sometimes my dad would have some of his hunting friends over, and of course my mom hated that. But <laughs> they would they'll come over and you know be out on. She would she would always put them in the backyard, and they would you know dismember whatever they caught <like> the <pot laughs> or the fish. But that that wasn't allowed in the house. But they they'd always sitting around the fire pit having a big old time. So it's just yeah, definitely instilled. And I think importantly now, too, just the importance of opening your home and inviting friends over and just being with people that you love and sharing those experiences and and having your kids be there, too. We were always invited. We weren't with them when they were socializing, but we had our little, you know, playroom or somewhere to run off to. But it was neat how the kids were always included in whatever was going on.
0: And now today,
1: what type of entertaining do you like? So I'm a little less formal than my parents. We do a lot of, I mean, I do have dinner parties every once in a while. My husband passed away a few years ago, so it's a little limited in what I do. But my other thing, I have a front porch. And so I like to have my girlfriends over and we'll have a little porch party and either a glass of wine or, you know, just some cocktails or even just lemonade and sweet tea. And just when the kids were little, it was fun because they could just run around and play in the yard and. We would just sit there and catch up, but we do a lot of, you know, just a lot of barbecues and cookouts. And my favorite is always the low country boil in the summertime. Always hits the low country boil. Oh yeah, shrimp and corn and sausage and just. Those are always fun. Yes.
0: Now, are you known for certain specialties in Hickory besides the cheese straws?
1: The cheese straws are very popular. I would say my Brunswick stew is really popular as well. I can't get over the fact how people want it in the summertime. I always think of that as a fall dish. I don't right? why people... (laughs) I'm not into like big chili cook-offs or Brunswick stew stuff in the summertime. It's too hot to eat, but that's popular. And then my caramel cake has been pretty popular. And then we have a lot of casseroles that we do that are popular in our freezer meals. We do chicken tetrazzini, a poppy seed chicken. Gosh, now that you've asked me, I can't even think of the things I do. But whenever I do a cocktail party or if I get hired to do a reception, I'm always told I need to bring my sausage balls. I need to have... And it's so funny because it's just, those, you know, those classic ham and cheese sliders with the poppy seed dressing, people topping. Everyone mm-hmm. goes crazy for those. And so... I feel like, you know, caterers all sort of kind of gets to be cookie cutter and the same menu everywhere. And so I was really trying to bring back some of the Southern dishes that I grew up with that I love and offer those. And people are just going crazy for it. So it's been fun. I think you're right. So many caterers are trying
0: to, like, elevate their menu so much Mm -hmm. that I feel like a lot of times there is a major Miss in the market of uh, right. the foods that we actually want to eat all the time. Exactly. <laughs> like, those are my two favorite casseroles that you mentioned. Exactly. And it would be so nice not to always have to cook them myself. <laughs> it's always good to have a little stash in the freezer. Yes, it is. Now, am I allowed to ask how you got your recipes? Has it been developed over time
1: or... Some of them, most of them were passed down, just family and friends recipes. Like I said, you know, with my mom and all her friends, I I was saying earlier how they would pick over who had the best chicken salad. And so I had my own opinion on who I did. So when I got like a flood of Junior League cookbooks with 80,000 chicken salad recipes, I knew exactly which one I wanted to go to. And some of them I've tweaked over the years and some of them I've kept the same. Some of them, you know, just, tweaks from recipes that I found in cookbooks and you know I always follow the recipe to the tea the first time but I always am like okay that has too much salt or it needs this or it needs that so just you know they say never to play with your food but I I never learned that lesson I'm always trying to put my spin on it so for the most part though they they are family recipes I have I think one of the neatest things I have from my gra- I have my grandmother's joy of cooking cookbook and in it are little postcards that she got from the local grocery store of her favorite of, of the weekly specials. Like I guess they used to the market that she shopped in and they would send out to their, I guess, not what they did it to everyone or if you had to be a registered client, but they would always mail out a little postcard with, or it was on an index card of their specials. And it was typed up with a typewriter and she's got her notes of what she was going to cook with it stuck in there and, Oh. And the pages of the cookbook, of what of the and the recipe? So, so yeah, that's that's kind of where they came from. That's a sweet memory to have that. It is because they my grandparents passed away when I was young, and so I don't really have the memories of cooking and entertaining with my grandparents or my grandmothers. So, to be able to share those recipes is, is special, and especially when everyone's like, oh my gosh, that's the best chicken sotrazini I've ever had. And just like, yeah, thanks, Grandma. <laughs> now, do you have any suggestions for us home
0: cooks on how to upgrade or uplevel our cooking skills?
1: I think the most important thing is just to be comfortable. Everyone always says, oh, I can't do that. I mean, if you enjoy cooking, that's great. For those that find it, you know, awkward, I think just finding something that's simple and just starting now and just finding your comfort zone. And if it's not your comfort zone, then there's nothing wrong with going to a market and grabbing some things and reheating it. But for the most part, I think it's just sort of, like I said before, you just kind of make it, follow the recipe, and then, okay, well, maybe someone in your family doesn't like onions, so you keep the onions. out. you know, just you, you just experiment and play. And again, it's not in everybody's wheelhouse. For me, I would come home and I'd have a busy day, and I'd start cooking. And everyone, some of my friends, like that would just stress me out. But for me, it was a way to unplug and relax, and it was very therapeutic. So, I think it's just finding your comfort zone and don't be afraid to try new things and. If it doesn't work out, then I'm pretty sure there's a delivery pizza right around the corner. And that's fine, too. (laughs) That is true. Now, you have seen so many parties. Have you
0: found a common thread that really makes a party successful? Planning.
1: So I think the important thing is just if the host is comfortable and calm, then everything goes like clockwork. Nobody at a party is really going to care what plates you have out no one's going to care what the menu is really they're not going to care if you have flowers on the table or not they may some of the ladies might notice like I'm sure you the men won't <laughs> uh, but at least some of the my friends but you know it's just i find if you're going to try and put something together then if you can just plan out your week so that you okay i want to do a few things each day so that when it comes time for people to come over, you're just relaxed and maybe giving yourself an hour before or a half hour before to just kind of step away and either, you know, just have a glass of water or what we call a dressing drink, I mean, however you want to do it, just to sort of relax. I think that's the, the best key. I learned that from Dee Dee Dalrymple. I think you went through her Effortless Entertaining course too. And I remember my mom would always be done and then she would go up in her little sitting room and put herself together. And when I was listening to Dee Dee talk about that, I was like, yes, I totally forgot about that. And so I think just the best, you know, it's just remembering that you're inviting people over and they're there to share experiences with you. Something may go wrong. Something might get burned. You know, the dog might jump up and eat something off the sideboard. These are things that have happened at all my parties. (laughs) You know, it's just being relaxed and prepared and just that way if you open the door when your guests come in and you're not a frazzled mess, then they can sense that and they'll come into a fun party and it's going to be a start to a good night or afternoon. Well, I think you just kind of touched on this, but what about common mistakes? <laughs> Not being prepared. No, I'm just kidding. You can, sometimes the best parties I've had have been the ones that have just been impromptu and people have just showed up or we've just kind of last minute saying, hey, let's, you know, do this and really just showed up with a bag of Doritos that popped on the table. So I think the biggest mistake is if you allow yourself to get so stressed out or you worry about the details too much, then it takes away your joy and your fun and robs you of the whole purpose of why you're having a party. So I don't know. I mean, it's a party. Is it really? I mean, you can't have a mistake. (laughs) So it's really just on how you present yourself, I guess, or how you prepare yourself or mentally the things that you are stressed about that maybe you shouldn't be stressed about. I don't know if that makes any sense, but.
0: No, it does. Probably the reason that you had so much fun at the impromptu parties is that there was no time to stress over anything
1: at all. Oh, yeah. You know, you're. I just mowed the grass, so it's like, uh, I smell, you know, everyone, no one's dressed up. It's just, hey, no one feel like do anything. We have leftover hot dogs. We have this. And so everyone just comes together and that can be fun, too. So, yeah, just having a good time.
0: Now, since you are a caterer professionally, I am going to imagine that you are the ultimate in time management when it comes to prepping food and getting everything hot and ready on time, what are some tips that we might be able to use at home to accomplish the same things?
1: So my, as far as keeping things warm and cold and, and time management, again, it goes back to that planning. If you are having a function where, you know, it's, you've got a lot of moving parts, just planning everything out so you know exactly when things need to be ready and then, Spacing is very important. So if you're a person that has like a lot of clutter in the kitchen, I always recommend people pack those away and give yourself some space. Make sure your refrigerator is cleared out. If you have a spare refrigerator in the garage or in the basement or something, that you just have enough room to keep things cool. Or if you need to have room in your oven to keep it all warm or make sure you get, if you need chafing dishes, you can either Rent those or maybe borrow them from friends, but just finding a way to make sure you have everything spaced out and plan that in advance so that as you're pulling something out of the oven and you realize you need to maybe keep it warm for 20 minutes before you serve it, you actually know how you're going to do that. So it's really just coming down to planning. And that also helps with your menu too. If you're, you know, if you don't have a lot of space to keep things warm, then maybe only do a few warm appetizers or you know your main dish is something that you can keep on warm in the oven so it's just knowing what you have to work with and making sure you have it prepared and laid out in a way that you can easily access it
0: and when people hire you do they usually have you cater like the entire meal or party or do they just have you do like certain dishes and they make some themselves
1: both. I've I've done some where I've gone in and done everything from literally the water to the dessert and everything in between. But then we have some people like, for instance, this past weekend, I did a birthday party and it was a backyard barbecue. But the lady had ordered a bunch of she had meat. So she's like, can I provide the meat and you just make the hamburgers for me? So I did that. There are times where this one lady is just like my husband loves my mother's pasta salad, so I have to make the pasta salad for this party. But can you do the coleslaw and the baked beans? Okay, that's fine. So it, it just—it really just depends. I—I I don't know. Some other caterers may have different preferences, but I just—I try to make it as easy as possible for my clients and the hostesses because if they're at ease, then that makes my job easier. So I we can do both. Yeah, I I
0: lean towards the. I do some myself, and then mm-hmm. things that I don't want to deal with, <laughs> right, As <laughs> someone else make. That way, I, I can focus on one special dish, or you know, things that I feel like I. Well, really that's have great now. too, because
1: everyone, everyone has something for the most part that they're known for or that they enjoy doing, and so they can still have their spin on the party and. I you know, have all the other stuff outsourced, and there's sometimes where I come and I work the party, and my staff and I are there to help replenish things. And there's times where we'll come and we'll set it all out. Sometimes they use my dishes, sometimes I use theirs. We have it all planned out, and then we leave, so they don't need to know that they hired me or not. <laughs> so it's just, however, it's really the preference of of my client.
0: Okay, so what are your favorite go-to meals when you're the one doing the entertaining?
1: Well, it really depends on a couple things. the time of year and the weather and who I am hosting. So in this day and age, we've got a lot of different palates and food sensitivities. So, you know, if I'm having a friend over that I know is a vegetarian, probably not going to make my short ribs and cheese grits, which is <laughs> without a doubt, probably one of my favorite meals. And that's a little heavier, too. So that's something you might find at my house in wintertime. I love shrimp and grits. That's, I've got a wonderful recipe for that. And that's usually a pretty safety in the summertime. And love seafood dishes, love Italian food. So I love to do like a carbonara or something, you know, a little on the lighter side. I don't tend to like a lot of heavier Italian food, but really where I find my inspiration is from our local farmer's market. And we've got a wonderful seafood shop in town. And we also, at our farmer's market, you can get fresh cut. Of beef and chicken from local farms. So I really just like to go and see what's fresh. And I'm very sort of simplistic in my cooking. And sometimes I find a roast chicken with some vegetables is, you know, fantastic. And then I usually outsource my desserts if I do something. And if I have a heavier meal, I tend to do a lighter dessert, one of my favorite desserts in the summertime. And it's so simple. There's just some fresh berries and then some <laughs> the vanilla, liquid vanilla coffee creamer. And you just put a little bit of sugar over it and it is so refreshing after a meal. So oh. it's really, yeah. So it's, you know, it's just kind of something that you throw together and everyone looks at it and they're like, oh, this is so elegant. And I'm like, it's berries and coffee creamer. <laughs> So so, uh, you enjoyed it. But, you know, in the back of your mind, you're thinking, oh, this is so simple. So, yeah, it's just finding things that are fresh for me and presentation. And just for me, it's just being having people that I love around the table, just breaking bread with them and just talking, you know, where go, 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 go go all the time. So it's just fun to sort of slow down and sit down and, and spend time one on one with the people that you love.
0: Well, I'm trying the berries and coffee creamer for sure. But it's a winter in the summertime,
1: I'm telling you. And do you just use white sugar or brown sugar? I use white sugar, sometimes okay. Splenda. Yeah, so just something to give it a little. I mean, they, you don't need a lot because there's a little bit. Yeah, yeah. The creamer sweet and there's natural mm-hmm. sugar, obviously, in the berries. Just a little kick to bring it out. Oh, I can't wait to try that. I'm having
0: that very soon. Possibly. Tonight. You know, tell me. Yes. I have to report back. <sighs> I, I certainly will. Now, what about appetizers? Which
1: ones do you tend to serve at your own house? So I always try to have a variety. I usually do. I usually have about five appetizers out because again, people, you just never know what their palates are. And so you can never go wrong with a charcuterie board. You can never go wrong with a fruit tray. I always like to make my I have a green goddess dip that I make or hummus that goes along with a variety of fruit and veggies that tends to be a little bit on the lighter and healthier side. And I like to have a few meat dishes. Some of my favorite appetizers are, I mean, you can't go wrong. I love shrimp cocktail. I love my sausage balls and cheese straws, of course, on every menu. I, mean, I don't know that I can do anything without cheese straws. So they're everywhere I go. And one of the things I like as well is sometimes I'll make like a tuna tartare and just serve them with ruffle chip chips. Um, okay. That was a, a nod to Ina Garden from Barefoot Contessa. That's something she had in her very first cookbook and I love it. And so I have, we do that a lot and that's always a big hit. So what else? I'm trying to think. Oh, I'll do, I saw on Pinterest years ago and it's refreshing, like little cucumber slices with a little bit of guacamole and then some seasoned shrimp. So that's mm-hmm. a fun, tasty little bite. And again, it, it just really depends on what time of year it is. If it's a little bit cooler, you know, in the wintertime or football season, everyone knows that Rotel dip, but I put the minute, pimento cheese in with mine. So you've got the cream cheese, the Rotel, and then the pimento cheese, and it's delicious. Oh, along with the breakfast sausage. And so that with some Fritos or chips is delicious. Yes. And yeah, oh, I like food too much. I could talk about this forever. <laughs> I know. I love the using the pimento cheese in the hotel. Yes, it's a classic recipe, but pimento cheese is kind of like bacon. I mean, it just makes everything better. It does. It re- really does.
0: And you mentioned a, a lot of small bite appetizers. And this is something I always struggle with when I am doing everything myself and trying to plan how many of those little small bite appetizers I need to plan per person. And I make way too many every single time. So is there like a rule of thumb about how many of each type of appetizer you should have per person?
1: So for me, I like to err on the side of caution. I would always rather have more at the end of the party than not enough. I plan for three per person. Uh, Now, sometimes one person's only gonna get one Sometimes they want to eat it at all. But I found that if it's something that's really popular, they're all just going to get two. And then eventually they will go, oh gosh, I'm going to get one more. And then for the person that isn't eating that particular appetizer, there's going to be someone that's going to have their portion too. So three right. has always been a good rule of thumb for me. And sometimes there's leftovers. And I always take, if I'm catering a party, I always make sure... I bring enough dishes so that I can package it up for the host and they can, now if it's been sitting out for a long time and the integrity of the food has been compromised, then we'll throw it out. But, you know, if it's something that they can save and use the next day or later on in the week, then they have that option because I figure they have paid for it. So, yeah, but so three, I think is a good safe bet. Thank you. That is going to be
0: helpful. Because small bite appetizers are kind of like more work than the things like dips and stuff like that.
1: They really are, yes. Uh So you certainly
0: don't want to be spending more time than necessary on making the the little small. ones.
1: And that's where I think if you don't have something in mind that you're known for that you really, really enjoy... That's where you can go to a specialties food store or even like a Sam's and pick up something and they have some really good options and you know, lay just reheat those and lay those out and then you don't have to worry about the intricate detail of each and every or let the caterer do that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there, there, that would be a good shortcut.
0: That is a good idea. Now when my before my kids were old enough to really be of help. I would always hire a couple of high school kids to help me during a party just so that I would have some extra hands on deck. Mm-hmm. When do you suggest hiring at- attendants? Like what size party do you think it's necessary?
1: Well, I mean, it can. I think that all comes down to the host's comfort zone. I know some people that can wing it all you know, themselves. But I think for me, when you start getting to have about Maybe around 30 to 40 people, depending on the, it's always nice to kind of pull in some extra help. It's, you know, you can't do it all and you can't be everywhere. And eventually someone's going to be out of ice or someone's going to be over here. So I I find that, you know, when you get to that 30 range, there's a lot of moving parts and you might want to pull in some help. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
0: That's a good That's rule That's like
1: a cocktail reception. Like a dinner party, you know, might be a little bit different, but.
0: I can't imagine having a dinner party for 30 without...
1: No. <laughs> I would be like, after
0: five people, I didn't help. <laughs> no, I can't imagine remotely thinking I'm going to do that on my own. <laughs> three. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> oh, now I like to ask all of my guests, what does hospitality really mean to you?
1: I think to me, hospitality is just sharing, opening not so much your home, but even just your heart. You can show hospitality by, if you know somebody's sick, then maybe take them a casserole or if they're going out of town or if they've been out of town, dropping something off when they get back home from being on vacation or if they've had someone, you know that they've been doing something like if someone passed away and they've been traveling and coming back home, you know they're going to have to go to the grocery store. So maybe even show up with, groceries or even just have it delivered so they don't have to sit there and feel like they need to talk and entertain you. But just putting other people sort of at ease and making them feel special and thought of, I think to me is the definition of hospitality. It doesn't have to be prim and proper and perfect all the time. It doesn't have to be sterling silver. It's just letting people know that you care about them and that you were thinking about them and showing up for them.
0: Yes, that goes a very long way. Now, we know that things just don't always go as planned when we invite people over. And I like to always hear those stories because they're usually the best stories, <laughs> the best memories <laughs> in the long run. Do you have any times that you want to share when things
1: didn't go perfectly? I think the there, there are two. One was a, a good lesson I learned from my parents. And then another one was one that I had for a party. So growing up, I'll never forget, we had, my mom was having one of her dinner parties. And so they had everything laid out on the dining room table. And my dad had just brought in, they did a standing rib roast and it was out on the sideboard and they had everything ready. And so my father was going in, kind of refreshing everyone's drink while my mom was telling them, you know, that they could come in and have a seat at the table and they forgot to put the dog up. And so my little mutt of a dog, Pepper, just could not resist that standing rib roast. And so as they all walked into the dining room, she had come in and hopped up on one of the side chairs and was prancing across the other sideboard and just helped herself to that standing rib roast. Oh my gosh. And so... (laughs) They ordered out Chinese and <laughs> that was my restaurant They sat around but they just retreated back. My mom was like, I can't even, you know, love that dog, but you know, not not good moments right now. So they, they retreated back to the porch and got a little livelier than probably ordinarily would have because it took a little bit longer for the food to come. That's uh, true. But- the cocktails kept flowing, and they had a wonderful little Chinese feast just sitting out there on the floor in our sunroom. So oh that you know, that's again, it's just I can imagine a standing rib roast is probably not the most, you know <laughs> cheapest meal, but um, it makes for a great story. Now everyone's like, "Oh, I remember that time?" And my mom still, I don't think, has quite found it amusing, but we all <laughs> thought it was hilarious. So, you know, it's just being flexible and, and having, having a plan B on, <laughs> this might be a good time where you have like some casseroles stashed away to <laughs> pop in the oven. But so there's that. And then I had a Kentucky Derby party. We always, my family's from Louisville, so we always celebrate the Derby. And so years ago, we we had the Derby on and the food and everything went well, but I don't know what I did, but I went to pick up the remote control. and. I was trying to turn the volume up, but somehow I disconnected the whole cable. I don't know what button I pushed. No. So we watched the Kentucky Derby on the (laughs) replay because we missed the whole race. So we had to (laughs) watch, and this was before the TVs were kind of as smart as they are now. So, or at least we didn't have it. So we had to watch it on like the actual ESPN rewind. Like, oh, (laughs) Oh. yeah, the whole cornerstone of my party and. (laughs) was <laughs> are watching it live so that was like did that really just happened so it's just you know things are going to happen so you just have to realize that you're around the people that for the most part love you the most and have fun with it and just roll with it
0: that is totally something I would do <laughs> for sure I am the worst yeah. with technology and especially tv and actually the smarter the tvs get the
1: worse I am when it oh, comes yeah. to it was technology is not my thing. I still get teased about it. Whenever we have a derby party, they're like, okay, well, we're not going to lease. So she can bring the speed <laughs> but nope. Don't let her get the TV <laughs> remote control. I'm like I'm not touching anything. <laughs> that's great.
0: Well, I have one more question before our speed round. Okay. And what is the one piece of advice that you'd give the new hostess that's just getting started?
1: Oh gosh, just do it. You know, just invite people over. I think the classic advice, holds true. Don't try something for the first time when you're inviting people over. Just stick with your basics and what you're comfortable with and then just enjoy yourself.
0: Yeah, that is my number one rule is don't try a new recipe, no matter what you do. Unless you're a chef, then it's different. Because that's
1: I've got a little do. comfortable with it now, but I'm always telling people, okay, I've never done this before. Y'all are my guinea pigs. So <laughs> in those instances, you always have a standby. Yeah. Yes, that's
0: true. And it's very different for people who do it for a living and for a <laughs> <They> can <laughs> the They screen- can get away with that <laughs> because even if it doesn't go exactly as planned, it's still probably good. <laughs> All right. Are you ready for the speed round? Oh, gosh. I guess we'll find out. <laughs> okay, <laughs> what is your favorite candy,
1: Eminence? What? Oh, peanut or chocolate? Oh gosh, just the regular. chocolate okay. food that you hate: anchovies. If you could travel anywhere in the world, where would you go? The
0: Amalfi Coast of Italy. Who was your teenage celebrity crush? Kurt Cameron. Oh, he was one of mine too. Your favorite cookbook. Anna Garden's very first Barefoot Contessa. I think you're the second person to say that. I need to look at that one more closely. I always like look at hers, but I haven't actually cooked in one of her cookbooks. I think I've tried, you know, recipes off the internet.
1: She's really the one that kind of got me. Like, oh, I mean, you can make this beautiful food in a very rustic, easy-ish kind of way. So I love that cookbook.
0: Well, Lee, tell us where everyone can find you on social media and your website and everywhere because I know people are going to want to find out more about you.
1: Oh, thank you. Yes, so the website is southernsideboard.com. That's my company. And then on Facebook and Instagram, it's the Southern Sideboard.
0: Well, I can't thank you enough for being here today. I just know our listeners learned so much and they are probably going to be able to uplevel their cooking
1: game after hearing some of your tips. Well, thank you for having me. This was fun. I've never done a podcast before. (laughs) Well, you would never know. It was so much fun. Well, thank you. I hope to see you soon. Me too.
0: Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Happy Hostess Podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate, and review it on your podcast app. It would mean the world to me. If you need links for anything mentioned during this episode, head over to happyhostesscollective.com and you'll find them in the show notes. A new episode comes out every Tuesday and I can't wait for you to tune in next time. Until then, have a great week.